Welcome to this episode of Seed Seller Academy Podcast, sponsored by the Seed Seller Blueprint Live, the number one program on how to sell to farmers. We teach salespeople how to make selling easier than ever before. We show them how to take price, the need for programs, and the need for proof of performance out of the conversation and get the producers to not just buy, but follow their lead. As smart as today's farmers are, things are changing so fast, they don't know what they don't know. So not only do we make selling easier, we show sellers how to help farmers raise higher yields than they ever thought possible or could do on their own. This episode is also brought to you by the Sales Handling Objection Playbook. How do you respond when a farmer says you got beat by 20 bushels this year? Do you have any test plot data? It's too early to order. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Or my personal favorite, I can save $40,000 in seed costs by buying your competitor's seed cheaper. The Handling Sales Objection Playbook gives salespeople a step-by-step process, including word-for-word scripts on how to handle the most common comments and objections farmers give salespeople who call on them. Just go to the rcthomas.com playbook to purchase this exclusive training tool today. We don't teach the old way of doing things. We teach the 21st century way farmers buy. We're the only source for that kind of information. So this episode is going to be exciting today. My guest is Greg Mills. Um, Greg Mills is a seedsman. I've got a lot of respect for this guy because he uh, is a farmer who is in the seed business. But he's unlike most farmers in the seed business. He has a seed business and happens to farm. And people who are farmers today are, and also in the seed business, approach it much different than they used to approach it in the past. So uh, it's the opposite of what you think. Greg is from St. Joseph, uh, Illinois, uh, just outside outside of Champaign. And his uh, wife, Becky, his son, Stephen, involved in the operation. He also has an older son, Brian, who helps him on occasion, too, who also has another full-time job that he does. So, Greg, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Rod. Thank you. Thank you for for coming with us. Uh, Tell us a bit about your background and uh, how you got into farming, Greg. Um, I started farming. Well, I grew up on a... a on a family farm i live on the family farm uh, my granddaughter's uh, eighth generation on that family farm so it's it's been that's been passed down uh-huh. of course um i started farming right out of high school okay. in 1982 uh-huh. so uh and had been farming ever since okay uh with with my dad who's mostly retired now so how do you all you've been selling seed <clears throat> i believe I, that's 1995 uh, was when I really first started selling seed. I was involved in seed production. Mm-hmm. Uh, started working at a production facility in high school and, and did that through the, the mid to late 90s and, mm-hmm. and decided to go into the sales route. Okay. Why did you decide to get in selling seed as a farmer? You know, it's something that I, I, when I, I, I was asked to do it and I thought, no, nah, this isn't going to, you know, this isn't going to, I don't know if this is me or not. And then found out that I really, I mean, it's something that I really truly had a passion for. Mm-hmm. Once I got started, so. Now you sell for Channel? Yes. You've been with Channel ever since you first started selling seed? Ever since the company's conception, okay. I've been with that company, Okay. Yes. Did you sell seed before that? Yes, I did. <laughs> Who did you represent? It, it was um, uh, Sun Prairie Seeds, Champaign County Seed Company, back when there were so many local small seed companies and, and started off with them. Okay. And then you went to Midwest? I went to, uh, actually it was with Asgrove DeKalb for okay. a short period of time, then went to Midwest. Okay. And then went through that transition into the into channel. Boy, you've done got a great career. So been around, I've seen a lot of changes. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So why are you, why are you in it? Why, what attracts you to the business? I, you know, I, I, I love working with other farmers. I like, I, I've always been fascinated with, with, the, with, with, with the seed business. Once I got started, I just had a passion for it. I like working with the growers. I like helping them succeed and do a better job mm-hmm. i mean that's 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 what our job is yep. is is to is to help them and um it's just been a fit for me yeah you know one of the biggest challenges uh farmers have and had for have for years probably is separating the farming from the seed side seed business side and has that has that been hard for you it's been a challenge at times but no because if, if i'm going to be successful in the seed business i've got to be a seedsman first and uh, not to say, and you can still be a, you can still be a, a great, do a great job on your farm, but the seed has to come first. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to, to drop what you're doing at times, or you may need extra help. Mm-hmm. Like I have my son, Stephen, that helps me in the seed business, you know, during in season, that's a big asset, but I have to be able to just stop whatever I'm doing to go take care of something mm-hmm. for one of my customers. Yeah. I mean, and you have to devote the time to it. Yeah. 
You know, as you know, 95% of the seed used to go through farmer dealers. Today, it's less than 40%. So why is that? What happened to the farmer dealer network, in your opinion? Well, we have such a, <clears throat> there's a consolidation uh, of, of companies also, but I don't know how to explain that. I think, I think well, I think our customers, our growers are looking for more than just the, the old, the, they're wanting constant value brought to their business. It's hard to succeed <clears throat> if, if, if you use the old farmer dealer model where you show up maybe once or twice a year at the guy's doorstep, you know, with your selling to your neighbors. That, that's just outdated. That's not going to work with today's growers. So how is, what's your model? How does your model look compared to that old model? I mean, you've done obviously some very successful things as you're extremely successful as a, as a farmer who sells seed. Um, what kind of things do you do differently? Well, uh, so we're constantly trying to, uh, to, to, to provide a good, uh, the, the buyer, the grower experience, <clears throat> and quite frankly, following, following the, 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 the blueprint that we've done with, with, with your training, um, we use that model, mm-hmm. I mean, to, to, to help us succeed. That, mm-hmm. that, that gives us uh, uh, customer contacts and, and different steps throughout the year where we're always in front of those customers, you know, doing a good job delivering value to them. So you feel, you mentioned something called the buyer experience, which is everything in, in any business, right? Um, so in your, in your opinion, when you do those contacts, are they different than a normal contact would have been done by someone else? Are you doing different things with that grower? Oh, yeah, <clears throat> for sure. Uh, we're not just, you know, it's, we're, not, we're not showing up to take an order after the combine stop. We're doing early cropping plans. We're, we're making contact throughout the winter, winter field visits, focusing on letting them know what's coming after each step so they know what to expect throughout the year. I don't think that's done in the industry yeah. nearly enough, yeah. and that, that separates us. You talk much in winter field visits. Tell us about that one. What well, happens there? <laughs> that's a that's a, a a concept that we picked up a, a year or two ago, or started thinking about it uh, uh, through some of your trainings, and um, never really thought much of it till I till we did. I I, I uh, engaged in a, a new customer with that type of uh, of a winter field visit here uh, earlier this year, and and just found out that it works so great. And I I thought, gosh, you know, we really need to be implementing this into our um, existing customer base so we we put a plan together earlier this winter that we're gonna we're gonna do this and we got all that accomplished here about a week ago and i found it to be just a a fantastic uh, touch point with customers it's a very it's a great visit it's something no one else is doing and the customer is in a very relaxed open-minded state they want to talk we, it's it's fun because we're talking about the coming planning season it's just it's it's a good situation um it was. It just was fantastic. So you're taking them to the field yes. in the wintertime. Yes. Probably, maybe there's snow on the ground. Maybe there isn't. But the fields are obviously bare. Right. We you know whatever. What What do you look at? What's there to see? Well, there's lots of that. You, you, I have found. I found in these visits. Once I got the customer out there, yeah, we're looking at a bear. Actually, it was frozen, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and we're sitting there in the truck. But he starts telling. He'll He'll give me information I've never gotten before about that farm is it pattern tiled where's the wet holes at i mean we're in fields all summer long but i found that i'm seeing things and hearing things from this grower in the winter field visit that i never got mm-hmm. or figured out myself in the summertime interesting so, and he would tell us all, he would just he would tell us all about that farm the whole history yeah so it was good so how does it how do you see his attitude uh changing at that time or uh you know thinking about the future, thinking about spring. How does that whole attitude, how do you view that with him at that time? Uh, just that was the, the most important, the, the thing that really got me the most, his attitude was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Nothing negative in those conversations, yeah. all positive, all looking forward. Mm-hmm. I truly know they, they enjoyed the, yeah. you know, that, that conversation. Did you feel that that particular step, that time of year, which is, you know, in the winter time, right, uh, before spring, kind of solidified the wholesale <clears throat> oh absolutely mm-hmm. because i would bring i would bring the cropping plan with me mm-hmm. that we had done earlier in the year and we would go back over that again and it's just one more step to solidify that yeah keeping that he knows he's got a plan yeah he's working with us on it and it just is another contact to solidify that that plan going into the plan awesome well you know we call this the hell time of the year right because everybody's got time to think about all kinds of goofy things. Farmers uh, have a little time in their hands, so people stop in trying to give them stuff, break that sale away from someone else. 
And uh, what you're talking about sounds to me like a real important tactic that's working for you. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced of it. Yeah, it's great. So do you use that same tactic other times of the year then? The same field visit kind of concept? I have in during the growing season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some growers that like to go with us when we're doing some uh, stand counts, stand evaluations, you know, yield checks, fungicides, uh, in season looking at management decisions. Some will go with us, some some don't. Mm-hmm. But that's also a good time to get them in tune, show them what's going on out mm-hmm. in the field instead mm-hmm. of just you know when you're just driving by and looking out the window. Things yeah. always look great. Sometimes mm-hmm. when you get out in there, you can you can find some things that maybe need addressed. Absolutely. You mentioned before the podcast that you've used that uh, tactic to prospecting, to taking new prospects out there. Tell us a little bit about that. On the on the winter field yeah, visit? On, on a field visit, period. On, on a field visit. Yeah, for a prospect. Um, I've done that maybe one, not, I'm planning on it hopefully a lot more this year, but that, once I saw how the, that concept worked, I thought, why not do that? And I have done it, I did last summer on, on, on one individual mm-hmm. where you, where you're, you're doing a visit, but then you just go out and look at the at the crop. Mm-hmm. What you got, and, and you can go out there and, and 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 go through with him the same things that you would do with one of your regular customers. Which most of the time they're not getting that. Yeah, you know they yeah. might be, but but that's okay. Yeah. Um, and and you can go through that that visit with them, and that really kind of sh- shows them what you're all about. Yeah. That's huge. So one of the major things you're ta- you're talking about is that field visit concept. What other really highlights or key things do you do with growers for example if you're in the field evaluating stands do you look at to um, separate yourself make that conversation different what else do you do one of the items the topics that we're trying and I have we have implemented it and I'm trying to do a better job with it is the bushels per thousand concept uh, and, and and work on that with with keep in, uh, implementing that with the growers get that in their mind when we're evaluating a, a planner st- and you can do that Anywhere from the initial planner checkup, uh, your stand evaluation, all the way through a a black layer yield check, you can still uh, implement that bushels per thousand concept, which nobody's nobody in industry is doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's one of the things we're really going to put a a better emphasis on this year, also. Yeah. Uh, So it's all about that. You know, you've you've laid out several things already. Just a few things that separate you from the typical farmer dealer by a long shot. I mean, look at the big gap that uh, is you've created in many people who are trying to sell to their neighbors, which is nothing wrong with that, right? right. Uh, but that neighbor has to have Trump trust in you and has to see you as a valued person. We found that farmers, like anyone, they don't ask serious for serious advice from amateurs. They ask from professionals. And today, as serious as the farming business is, He's looking at a professional to talk with him about his operation and not get old information or old, old ways you evaluate stands, for example, those kind of things. Um, so you obviously have, have, a, uh, have, have done a great job with that whole process. Uh, I've got a couple of other questions I'm going to throw at you here. Um, it, as, a, as a farmer who sells seed and you compete against people in, in the marketplace, um, how often does price come up? It can come up occasionally with our not very so in my case not very often but I think that's Ooh. just by the way that we go about doing business. Mm. Uh, we so does it come up sometimes? Sure, mm-hmm. it's that's always but, but that is not a focal point of how we sell and it's not a focal point of how most of our customers you know uh, interact with mm-hmm. us when it's just all about price. Yeah, so price is the number one thing discussed. <clears throat> excuse me, every place I go today. Everyone wants to know how to handle price because price is at the foremost of almost everybody's mind, farmer's mind, everybody else. But you seem pretty comfortable with it. You seem pretty pretty casual about the price, that you're, it's not a big deal. You feel looks like you feel confident about how you manage that process. Why is that? I've gotten comfortable in, in, in how we go about the marketplace and selling to where it never – so sure, yeah, it comes, at some point you have to get to price, and it comes up. I have a pricing strategy where we know our, our prices is, is – is, uh, so we're, we're, we're very compatible in the marketplace on price, but with the value that I believe we add and what we're doing with our customers, it just doesn't come up. And if it does, I'm, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could make yourself miserable in life worrying about the, pro- the price of the product that you sell every day. Yeah. I mean, it's just who wants to do that? Yeah. So how do you manage it? I mean, if a farmer asks you about price, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, do you uh, answer it right away? Do you tell them what your price is? What do you do? 
if, if you ask me about price, I, I so if I have a, if Rod, you're asking me about price, we're so we're I'm trying to think of the word I'm, competitive. We're, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we're competitive, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so where do you want to take your yields next mm-hmm. year, Rod? Okay. And, and 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 engage them in that conversation, and sh- it's it's a process. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, you can, and then I've also let me back up a little bit. I've also re- come to realize that maybe I, I can't sell to everybody out mm-hmm. there. We uh-huh. have to find the growers that fit with the way we do business. Uh-huh. And if they don't, that's okay. Sure. So I, I, that that's kind of a tough lesson to learn a yeah. long time ago. But I you know you just can't sell to everybody. Yeah, that's true. So they have to fit the model that we that that we're that we're using. Yeah, we found about thirty percent of the farmers will not buy from you. Uh, that's okay. Like you said, that's okay. They're they're loyal to someone else or you know whatever doesn't fit. But seventy percent of the market is available to you. So that's that's the seventy percent you're going after. In the uh, objection side of the business, one of the biggest ones that also comes up along with price is it's too early to order. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. You indicated before the podcast that you have most of your guys, if not all of your people, done before harvest. Is that, that, is that, that correct? That's correct. Yeah. How do you manage that? I mean, very few people tell me that. It, it's, been a, it's been a process over the years, but... I just came to the conclusion a long time ago that, that you know th- this is this is the best way to do it. it's the best way to do it for the grower and it's the best way to do it for our for our business model where we're not chasing people around after harvest when everybody else is mm-hmm. and playing all the games with yield data and price and so we do early cropping plans late summer you know uh late july august uh do early cropping plans and we do that with i'm going to say this past year we were Gosh, ninety percent of our of our base, of of our whole customer base was had an early cropping plan in place, and that's not it's not to say that we can't tweak that after harvest. We do some things, sure, but uh, it's done early, and the and the grower seems to that that they they enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a plan in place early, and mm-hmm. and uh, that's how we that's how we do it. Do you find that once you do that? He relaxes a little bit and takes more of the emotion out of the process. Oh, absolutely! It takes all the it takes if if they're truly into that type of brine process, it takes all the emotion out mm-hmm. of it. That's one of the reasons, and I've told guys that before. You know, this is one of the reasons we do this. It mm-hmm. takes we make better decisions. Yeah. I do, you do. Yeah. It takes the emotion out of it. Yeah, absolutely. not looking at input costs and market prices, what the crop might do, but like you said, you can always always modify it. That's right. Yeah, how many? What percent of the guys will end up modifying it? Or changing it drastically? Very few. Yeah. We make some tweaks now and then. Yeah. I've learned a few things just on our own uh, with the company's studies and research and some of my observations with hybrids on some placement. It's usually a, it's, it's a placement issue. Mm-hmm. Okay, do we, do we have the right fit for this farm? And uh, we've made some tweaks there, but very seldom, no big changes. Mm-hmm. So if he is going to change anything on his operation... How heavily are you involved in that decision for, for him? Most normally, it, it, it's a decision that's made together. A lot of, most of the time, I come to them and, and I'll say, you know, Rod, looking over such and such farm, I, I think maybe we better, we might want to move from hybrid A to hybrid B because of the soil type or some things that we've noticed this past couple of years. It's things like that. I very rarely have. Uh, I have had growers say, oh, you know, I want to plant more of this because, gosh, it was such a good yield. And, and, and we'll have to have that discussion. And I think there was a time last year, actually this past year, I was um, on a winter field visit. And we did, we did make a change on a winter field visit. Uh, the grower brought something up, quite frankly, that I think I might have missed uh-huh. a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it and, and made a change. Mm-hmm. So what if I'm really hooked on a variety and I really want more of that? <laughs> and uh, you, do you fit that into a portfolio? How do you, how do you do you let me go ahead and go ahead and go hog in it, hog, hog hog wild for it? What do you do? I I don't like to go over thirty percent of a guy's acres on one hybrid. Now that's just my general rule, and but we measure every we try to measure everything in a portfolio. Okay. I get really nervous when you start, you know, 30 to 33% one hybrid. You, I, there, are, there have been cases, and we've seen it in years past in the industry, where you'll have 
acres and acres of, of one hybrid, and that is a, that's just a recipe for disaster. Because yeah. we can't, we don't know what's going to happen this coming year. Tell us what a portfolio is. What, what does a portfolio mean to you? What is that? So that's three hybrids at least. We, we, we sit down, we take a look, a look at the guy. Oh, we, we place everything by field, by farm. But I don't, I never sell less than three hybrids to a grower. Mm-hmm. And, and many of the times we're at four, five, even some of the larger growers, six hybrids. Mm-hmm. That's how I. That's how we. And that's how we put our portfolios together. And why is that? It spreads the risk. It spreads the risk. It's all risk management. It, it's placement, uh, risk management. I. I. It's just to my, in my mind, it's too risky to go all in. You know, fifty percent of your acres on one hybrid. It's just. Yeah. Yeah, you might hit it, and then you. And it could go the <laughs> other way. I'll tell you what we. And the, and the way the, the ag economy is, we can't afford. Growers, we can't afford to make mistakes. Yeah. I can't. They can't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're minimizing the risk, <clears throat> obviously. How many farmers today do you think out there are able to get access to the kind of stuff that you are offering? What percent of the farmers are out there need what you have? Some of uh, probably seventy, eighty percent. I I think you're always going to have that group that's not. That's the ones that I probably just will never be able to sell to. Mm-hmm. They might be the ones that are waiting till now mm-hmm. to order. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, uh, you have guys that are just always going to buy online, buy on price, period. Mm-hmm. There's a certain percentage of that out there, but I think there's a huge market out there that is looking looking for the type of uh, the way we do business. Yeah. yeah. You think they're getting it? Most of them are not. Yeah. There's a lot of them that aren't. There's, there's, yeah. there's a lot of them that aren't. And how do you see that? Do you see that in your customers uh, talking about, your competitors or do you see that in how eager they are to work with you how do you get that feeling i see how the customers i, I believe i know how they they, they they like the experience that we're providing and the value we're providing I mean, they've you know we've gotten feedback from our customers telling us you know they really they've appreciated what mm-hmm. they they perceive that we have done mm-hmm. done for them but then i hear stories from other seed sellers other guys in the in the farm chem business different ag businesses telling me about gaining new business and why they've gained new business is because they're so there are a lot of growers that are very sour very disenchanted with the ag industry i think Mm -hmm. i i had some tell me that this year Mm -hmm. that they just they don't trust anybody yeah Yeah. and we've i said hey we i say we in general we the ag industry has given them good reason to feel that way absolutely yeah yeah there's a lot of mistrust out there with growers so on that note uh you obviously probably have programs in your in your company programs for farmers yes uh, what where do programs exist in your view in terms of selling to farmers so our co- all companies have pro i think most companies have programs we have programs i don't really i don't talk about programs ours are uh, i mean of course we have a there, there's a cash discount that you have to discuss or different yeah. levels of but as far as new customer programs you know all these other programs i just make them basically seamless mm-hmm. i just that's just not it's not anything i ever lead with or talk about yeah that's just the way we choose to, to go about it. Because programs tend to be about the company giving him something, but not necessarily something that's going to help his business. You are into helping his business, sounds like, versus handling a program that may or may not help his business. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think once you go down that road and you start leading with programs, you, just, you, can, you can dig yourself in a hole. Yeah, yeah. So as you look ahead to all the changes that are happening in the ag marketplace, what are some of the biggest challenges you're looking ahead at, at addressing as your business goes down the road four or five years? I think for me is learning, doing a little bit better job. Of, we have a, we've had a lot of consolidation uh, amongst just the, 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 the growers. Mm-hmm. We've, uh, some of the other guy, older guys are retiring. We have some younger guys that are very aggressive. Um, I'm, I'm learning how to do a little better job of maybe dealing with that type of grower. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of those guys, Rod, that, that want some really good value and some service and and, and, and and things like that brought to their business. And I'm trying to figure out maybe how to, to interact and go after some of those those younger guys. And that there's some that, that don't want that, but I think, I think, I know there's a certain segment out there, I think that are starving for a, for a really good quality buyer experience mm-hmm. where they're actually getting some value. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think that's just gonna keep continuing. We're gonna see more, uh, you know, acres growers getting larger mm-hmm. and just learning how to deal with those larger operations yes yeah, absolutely so are you optimistic about the future of selling seed in your business 
Yes, I, I am. Mm -hmm. I am. Uh, I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be if I, I, because of the business model we're in, I, I think the way we're doing things and, and, and the relationships that we have, I, I still think there's a huge segment of growers that are always going to be looking for that. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, that gives me optimism. Yeah. If, uh, if you want to go back to playing the, the, the price game and, and chasing things around late and, and, and going back with the old ways of selling seed, uh, you know, you'll pull your hair out, yeah. I think. Yeah. So I would not be too encouraged. You know, you've been uh, a member of the Seed Academy since we started. You've been to, I think, camp, our camp program six or seven times. <clears throat> you've been to our Seed Seller Blueprint live program at least two or three times. You helped lead it this last year here in Minneapolis. <clears throat> you uh, are one of our elite members in the Accelerant one-on-one -on -one program where we work together. So you really have done an amazing job of working hard to train yourself and, and do some things differently. And what do you wish that you would have known before you started selling? Oh, boy. If I was 30-some years old again when I started and, and had the, the concepts and the training that I've gotten over the years, as we've worked together, mm -hmm. uh, I, I would just be light years ahead <laughs> at, back at that age. I wish there's a lot of things I would have. But mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's, that's, the yeah. way, that's the way things were. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, the, the guys that are in the business, ag business that are younger, if they can start off learning a, a, a message and a model like this, it would, it, mm -hmm. that's, that's just the way to go. So the industry likes to focus on products and technologies, education in those areas. And we all need that. We all need some information on, you know, product knowledge, technology. Now we, we need to know about our product, right? Products number one. We all agree with that. But how do social skills fit into that? game how, how does talking to a farmer know what to say fit into that whole process it's it's huge it's huge uh you have well number one i i think i was talking to you, maybe you yesterday evening i was actually talking to my wife about about buying i mean you don't i never buy anything from somebody i don't like yeah <laughs> true i don't think any of us do <laughs> right so you have to be like you have social so your social skills you have to be likable you have to be knowledgeable you have to know how to talk to these guys mm -hmm. Uh, the, the growers mm -hmm. in, a, in a positive manner they yeah. hear enough there's enough negativity to, to you know to, to, to sink a barge out here in this yeah. marketplace <laughs> so i think when you're not that way you're already making your you're making yourself different yeah. and who, do, who doesn't want to be around some something that's positive yeah yeah they can get the negativity every every day in the in, in the local coffee shop or the yeah. elevator or what, i mean yeah. they're just surrounded with it yeah. so let's bring them something different absolutely well, you, you carry uh, a responsibility as a seedsman going on talking to growers to be positive. So how do you keep positive? Who keeps you pumped up in the morning? If you're a scale one to ten, yeah, and, you know, you're boy. not feeling some, that. Some, some days it's tough. <laughs> uh, you know, it's the, uh, quite frankly, quite honestly, I, I think normally I'm, I'm, I'm a fairly positive person, but it, it's easy to go go the other way. Mm -hmm. Some of the trainings that I've done, quite frankly, the trainings that we've worked with, I'll get material out and go back and read things mm -hmm. and try to just keep that. Uh, there's some books that I read to try to keep a, uh, that helps me keep a positive uh, yeah. attitude. I think you have, you have to surround yourself with other people uh, that are positive or you will become, you are who you surround yourself with yes. and that can have a huge impact on you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we all know that uh, sometimes your circle of influence is a, is, a, is a plus and sometimes it's a minus. It can be a minus yeah. if you're not careful. Yeah. We tend to see that in coffee clutches where people tend to gather. It could be farmers or anybody, you know, oh, gather yeah. around, don't we? And, and, yeah, and it can be that same way with just the, within the company you work. You know, the water cooler talk with the company yeah. you're working with. I mean, it can get so negative sometimes. Are you the type of farmer that go, goes to those coffee clutches? Very seldom. Yeah. <laughs> I, once in a while, I don't mind stopping in, but quite frankly, and I love, I love everybody I work with. I love the growers, the farmers, the best people on earth to work with. But quite honestly, if I went into the, <laughs> that coffee shop every morning, I'd probably be ready to jump off a cliff some days. I'm just not wired like that. Yeah, you know? totally. but that and that's okay. Yeah. You know? but yeah. That's just not for, that's not for me. Dishing the dirt. Right. right. That's yeah. right. Get my coffee to go. Yeah, totally. <laughs> So let's see if you can give me three things that really have made the biggest difference in helping your seed business uh, continue to grow. Maybe it's something you've changed this past couple of years, this year, in the past. 
Are there three major points that you would give advice to someone who's new in the business or wants to restart their business that would help them a lot to stay organized or whatever? Three things. Uh, well, if somebody's new in the business, if they, if those are the maybe some of the best people to to start that have no preconceived notion of the ag industry or have been in it a while and kind of pick up some bad habits. Mm-hmm. So the type of training that I work with with you, mm-hmm. I, I mean that's that we don't. If it's somewhere else in industry, I don't know where it's at. <laughs> we sure don't get it from the companies. Uh-huh. I'm not knocking the com- my company, you know, or yeah. any of them, but. Yeah. That type of message, that type of training, is is such a good way to start. Mm-hmm. I mean, because if if not, you'll you, you could just drown. Yeah, it. you could starve. Yeah, and uh, that's the that's the number one thing I would recommend to anybody new. Okay. Uh, some of the things that uh, what was the question was what you've done. If, three, if there are three things that you've done to change that helps you stay organized or on point or oh, help you grow your oh, business. Oh yeah, stay in order. Just just cal- we, we worked with made a made a focal point on on calendaring activities Ooh. this past year. So stick into a calendar. Now, that can be tough sometimes. Have you always done that? No. Okay. No, I've been a disaster with my time <laughs> at times. I just have. I'm getting better. I still need to get better. Uh-huh. I can tell you that right now. Yeah. Uh, but just sticking to a sticking to a calendar, uh, and that calendar was everything from business to exercise to to your 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 time that you want to designate off for family or whatever. Mm-hmm. But st- that is so important. Mm-hmm. I found out. Yeah. I need to improve on it. Yeah. But how many farmers keep a calendar like that? Oh goodness, probably not very many. As a farmer, did you have a calendar like no. that? No. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. And now I use it for every. I, I'm I'm literally using that or trying to do a better job using it for everything. Yeah. Absolutely. For a farmer, the calendar was normally the seasons, right? Sure. Yeah. This is not spring. Okay, we're going to plant and we're going to sequence. He's got a calendar up here in his mind yeah, which right. field he's going to plant first, right. all that kind of stuff. But you physically put it down on a on a calendar of uh, your especially activities. on the on the on the business end. Yeah. In the in the off season time, when I say off season, when we're not farming. Even when I'm farming, I'm going to develop a little bit better schedule. Yeah. Sometimes it's out of your control, but during the business season, I can tell you that it has helped us tremendously. So if you does that calendar also help your customers? Because are you taking your calendar to your customers also? Yes. Well, they, 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 they know when I'm going to be. I mean, I, we schedule you know appointments, meetings. They, they know... Uh, I mean, I communicate. I, I communicate when I'm having. If I'm meeting with you tomorrow, uh, say we, if we did a, a cropping plan, I'm going to say, well, Rod, you know, I'll, I'll be looking forward to seeing you uh, on when we ride the harvest. You know, mm-hmm. let me know when you're getting ready to get started. Mm-hmm. We're we'll seeing you on the harvester. Always let them know what's coming next. Mm-hmm. Is something that we really implemented last year that I think has helped our business awesome. a lot. Also. So you've kind of organized their minds into a sequence also by using your calendar on them, haven't yeah, you? Yes. We, uh, in, back in August, we came up with a um, basically a customer calendar, and I shared that with the customers of what can you expect from our business, from Seedmax, what can you expect from us in the upcoming year as we, as we work together and, and move forward? And I really think, I don't think I know, <clears throat> that helped you know our business and it helped the customer know what to expect from us mm-hmm. throughout the year and it it was it was a really good thing that we implemented how there. does he receive that how does he feel about it i was a little surprised <laughs> at i i we, we, and then i we implemented that and we had talked about it beforehand and um I was a little apprehensive about the first time. I thought, well, I wonder if some of these guys are going to think I'm just kind of nuts. But mm-hmm. I was surprised. When I went through that calendar or that uh, the list of events of how we're going to go forward working with you this season, Mr. Grower, I was really kind of surprised at how much attention I had in that conversation. Mm-hmm. They were really tuned into what I was telling them and took it very seriously. And I, I, I believe it. I, I know it really, it really helped me with some of those growers. Who else does that? <laughs> Greg, <laughs> no, I'm sure there's there's a few out there, but probably not in, in the general marketplace. It's not that's no, not done exactly. It's not done. Yeah, yeah, that's a shame, isn't it? It is, and not only is it good for Mr. Grower, it's it's good for the guys like us that are selling because it it just it makes things you're just able to you're able to schedule your you're not chasing things around mm-hmm. you're not miserable mm-hmm. uh, who wants to who wants to run a business where you're just worried and and, yeah. and, and miserable uh, yeah absolutely i don't want to do it yeah absolutely so the calendar is, is number two what would be one more thing that uh you think has made a big difference in your business 
I mean, you've listed a lot of lot sure. of steps that you've done, and maybe nothing sticks out quite as bold as something like the schedule because time is everything. Time is money, obviously. You've done an amazing job of, of organizing that part. What about uh, you have Stephen in your business, right? As have you, uh, as you have a partner like that to work with, how does he fit into your business? What has he done for you? I could not do what we're doing without without him helping. Mm-hmm. He he does a tremendous amount of almost all the a lot of administrative work ah. uh, with, with 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 the company. With he's responsible for inventory. He frees up a lot of my time to be out in the field, interact with people. I'm bringing him along with me a lot of those times now because we're working him into that whole process. Mm-hmm. But the administrative work, to run a successful seed business, you have to be organized. You have to have your paperwork in line. The mo- I mean, he does all the money, the accounting. That's all hugely important. Oh, yeah. And he takes care of all that. I'd go <laughs> nuts if I had to do that. Yeah. And he does a fantastic, and he's so much more efficient than yeah. I am at it. He's really good at it. At what point in time did you realize that to grow an entrepreneurial business like you have, you needed somebody to do that stuff? It was about three, probably three, four years ago. I thought, goodness, uh, this this isn't this isn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, actually, it was probably longer ago than that because I think when my wife and kids would wife would come home from work and the kids would come home from school, they were wondering why Dad was so doggone grouchy. <laughs> <laughs> from sitting at my desk all day yeah. just with a mountain of papers then trying to figure like to all do. this stuff I, i'll be at the first i mean i'm not any i'm I, that is not one of my strong points yeah. so when you find a thing like that where okay i'm weak here what do i need to do or who can i get to help me with it yeah and that's so that's been a great fit yeah it's been it's been perfect yeah and it's it's fun to see those young people get indoctrinated to the business isn't it oh yeah they come from a different uh, era than you or I came from, or particularly me, they haven't seen all the things that you've gone through with the, you know, experience those things, but they bring a fresh approach, don't they? They bring a, a younger, energetic, uh, maybe a more tech savvy type of approach. Oh yeah. 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 I'm sure he's good at technology. He's just so much faster than I am at yeah. it. And I, and I don't do too, I love technology. I yeah. love all that stuff, but he's so much more proficient. Yeah. And so fast with it that it's yeah. just, it's great. And what you recognized was what you really need to do to grow this business. And that was, how do you enhance that buyer experience? That you do that by being with the customers more often. And it sounds like that's one of the big things you did too. Is you said, I need to be with my growers more often, have each t- uh, contact more meaningful for them, have them learning things all the time. Right. I want you to take us back briefly to... Uh, a summer field visit. Maybe it's a post-planning report card visit where we go out and evaluate the stands, or maybe it's you know a cropping plan development time. But we're in the field with the grower. He's with us, looking at his his crop. What do you want him to see? If if we're doing a a planter, so you said back like maybe after the, the planter stand stand evaluation yeah. that mm-hmm. first time. Yeah. So we're measuring, we're going to work even harder this year on the bushels per thousand concept. And we can start doing a yield estimation based on that, 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 uh, when that, when the corn's, you know, V4, V5, mm-hmm. but we're going to, we're going to, we're going to take those, those sections, you know, measure, check the population, but we're going to be doing stand counts based on the emergence of that stand. And all those plants come up within eight hours of each mm-hmm. other. Do we have doubles? Do we have skips? Do we have runt? "Quote unquote runt pigs mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. You, when when the grower sees that early on, and you can explain to him, okay, we have thirty five thousand plants out here, but out of those thirty five thousand, we have uh, we have four that are runt pigs. What's the what's the long term effect of that as we go forward and we go into yield and we take it to yield or take it to, to, to through the combine? What I do mean, you call a runt pig? That is a." a uh, a plant that's way behind would be, well, if it's a col- if it's if it's if it's a collar behind the other ones, especially, then it's really a run. Okay, you know, uh, mm-hmm. it's a smaller plant. Didn't come up. It came up two days later. You know, mm-hmm. twenty-four hour. I, I like them in an ideal world. Boy, if you can get those all up the same day, mm-hmm. that same, well, eight hours ideal, eight mm-hmm. to twelve hours. You get after that, then you start getting variance in the stand. Then you're going to have a variance on your ear size uh-huh. also. So a runt pig would have a smaller ear than oh, a, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Some of them, if it, if it's a double, you know, then you can get no ear. Uh, you ha- half ear. A lot of those would be a half ear, just a nubbin, three quarter ears yeah. on some of them. But that's how we measure that, and it's so important for the grower to see that early on because that way, I don't like surprises in the fall. Neither does yeah. the grower. Mm-hmm. 
but at least show them, hey, this is what's happened here. Now, how do we, and then how, how do we correct this ah, going forward? Mm-hmm. How does he correct it going forward? Well, you... <laughs> Where does it start? Starts at the planter. Okay. As we've talked about, I think it was 80% of the yield determinant planter. I think we're up to maybe even moved up closer to 100 now. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. And it all starts with the planter. Uh-huh. Is the planter, are your meters set correctly? Or your, is the planter, there's planter parts that can wear out. How fast is the planter, how fast is he driving? Yeah. Yep. We'd like to see guys drive. I'd, I'd love to see guys run a planter less than five mile an hour, mm-hmm. four and a half. Yeah. Some of those, good luck on some of that with yeah. some of them. But but it all starts with the planter. Yeah. That stand established. Now, there can be some weather conditions that, that just totally foul things up. Yeah. We know that. But 99 times up, 100, it all starts with the planter. Are you getting guys to follow that four and a half to five mile hour uh, guideline? Some of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, do they get still, results when they do? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and if they're planners in working order. Yeah. I've, you know, I have seen some that are just a disaster, mm-hmm. you know. And That's amazing today, isn't it? Today's age. Well, they should, yeah, and there's, no, and there's no reason they should be, not, yeah. with, the, not with the technology that we have yeah. now. Yeah, exactly. So you go take the guide. You want him to see, look at that population of plants differently than he normally does. It's yes. not just, okay, I've got all the plants are out of the, fee, are out of the ground. Right. And I believe three years ago, I can't remember what year it was, we, I, and, and myself included, learned a lesson. It had been a long time since we had, a, we had just, a, just an awful spring. The germination uh, stand establishment germination was just, because of weather conditions mainly, it was just awful. Mm-hmm. And we had such a, a variable stand, and there were some farms that we should have tore out. Mm-hmm. I should have told the customer. Now, the customer has to make up his own mind on it. Yeah. I can't say, you got to do this. Yeah. But even some of my own fields, you know, we had the population out there, but I did. I wasn't looking at it. I was looking at it with too much emotion. I wasn't seeing what was really there, and it was just a killer. We should have started over. Uh-huh. Fields we did start over with were just off the charts yeah. good. Yeah. And uh, it's just, that, that, that's everything, mm-hmm. that stand establishment. Yeah, absolutely. And what the condition of that oh, sure. plants are. Yeah. Yeah, that's outstanding. So do you do planter visits? Do you visit the planter? We have, last year we got started on it and didn't do enough of them this year i'm committed to nailing 100 percent of them but where we did where we have done it it's been fantastic mm-hmm. and what happens at the planner visit in your when you visit a planner what's what do you want to have happen it was a short visit 10 minutes you know mm-hmm. 10 minutes mm-hmm. uh, it was uh, there again in the spring i love the springtime because it just seems like it's more relaxed everybody's yeah. looking forward to what's going on yeah. asking the grower uh, we had a little check sheet made off now this year we're going to work on probably having the growers actually do I, I was kind of doing it for them to be real honest with last year but how's the seed planting do they like the seed quality we're looking at seed placement mm-hmm. I have we've run into times more than once where they're not getting the, the corn planted deep enough mm-hmm. guys have shallowed it up they're driving you know how fast are they driving what's the soil can is it too wet to be out there uh-huh. that's probably the main thing yeah. are the conditions right yeah yeah. You can't force somebody to stop, but I can, you know. Suggest it. I huh? could suggest, hey, if this is my farm, maybe I'd wait a couple more days or maybe I'd move to a drier field. That, yeah. That's that's the biggest one. Yeah. Is trying to just kind of keep them reined in a little bit because everybody wants to get out there. Or they see the neighbor going and they got to go. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's not always the right thing to do. So what do you do if the guy won't slow down? I mean, you, you suggested four and a half to five or someplace in there. What if he won't slow down? What do you well, do? I'm, you know, I, that, that's okay. How about we? How about we do a check here? How, how, how about let, let's let me flag this, and you plant a couple rounds at, at four mile an hour, or four and a half, and then we'll flag that, mm-hmm. and then you go back to where you're doing it. And that, mm-hmm. That's fine, and then we'll let's let's look at it throughout the year. Let's look at these plants, and let's look at it when we go to harvest, and mm-hmm. we'll we'll see what happens. Okay. What do you usually happen? What do you expect to happen? Always a better stand establishment. Stand establishment most normally is always better. And, and, and the, when you have stand establishment, even emergence, you're always going to have a yield increase. Mm-hmm. Direct correlation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Greg, let me ask you another question on that planter visit concept. Uh, you know, you're planting your own crop. How do you find time to visit planters when you're supposed to get your own crop planted? <laughs> I mean, you're a farmer who sells seed, you know? Farming when you should be selling, right? Uh, that's right. And that's probably throughout the year, even I think that was harder to adjust to than even the harvest time. So The riding combine. The, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Riding harvesters. It's easier to get away, I feel, a little bit at harvest than it is at planting time. 
So two things that we've implemented. Number one is I've, I've been training Stephen on that. So Steve, Stephen works really, my youngest son works really well with all of our customers. Mm-hmm. He's going to be doing some planner visits. Okay. But then I'm, I'm literally going to schedule time this year where I'm going to have some by my oldest son or maybe even my dad who still helps us a little bit with the farm likes to drive the tractors. Somebody's going to run that planter for me uh, for an hour or two mm-hmm. during the middle of the day. Maybe it's first thing in the morning and I can run out and I can, I can knock off two, three, four planter visits. Most of my customer base is in a fairly close proximity. So mm-hmm. I can knock off a, a couple to a few visits every day doing that also. Wow. And that's how we're going to have to do it. It just has to be planned. It has to be it has to be on your schedule, yeah. and this is, you just, okay, somebody can run the planter for me. I'm going to go do this. Wow. What's your reaction of a grower, whether it's planting season or harvest season, when you're there and he thinks you should be home on your own farm? What's he think? Uh, I, I know last fall we had a, had, a, had a little bit of an issue or a condition with some grain quality on, on, a, on a hybrid on a farm, and, and my, one of my customers had called me. I said, oh. Sure, I'll be there here. Give me a few minutes to get some things squared away, and I'll be down there to, to come ride with you. We'll take a look at things. Yeah. And he, we were, I was on the combine riding with him, and he kept telling me, he says, well, I, I can't believe you're, sure nice of you to take time away from, I know you need to be harvested. Yeah. I'm sure glad you're down yeah. here looking at this with yeah. me. And they're very, you know, they're very appreciative of yeah. that. But that's our job. We, that's, what, that's one of the things you have to be willing to do to be successful. If you're going to sell seed and farmers, you've got to put that on the forefront. Wow, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. How important is appearance when you're out selling to people? I mean, how do you dress? How do you, how's your vehicle look? Those kinds of basic things like that. I try to keep my vehicles clean. Okay. <laughs> I could work on some improvement there a little bit, mm-hmm. but no, you do not want a customer to get in your, 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 your pickup. And I, I use my pickup truck mm-hmm. and it looked like a pig's die. Uh-huh. I mean, it has to be presentable inside yeah. and out. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, I'm kind of a jack of all trades. Since I farm, I mean, somebody, if a customer might stop by and I might be laying underneath the truck or a combine working on something. There are days where, mm-hmm. you know, but that's that's the way it is. But yeah. when I'm going on a scheduled visit uh, to see a customer, no, the personal appearance mm-hmm. has to be, I'm not going to, I do not want to show up looking like, uh, what's the term? I don't want to show up looking like I'm the guy that's there to interview to drive his truck. <laughs> uh, and that is, a, I just need, you need to look. So the rule of thumb, I think, is you just need to look better than the competition yeah. does when you're out there. There you go. And sometimes that doesn't take much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I, you need to have good personal appearance. Absolutely. You have to be, you have to have that. Yeah. First impression, right? Or continued impressions. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if, I, if I'm working at home and I have a, a salesman pull up my driveway and he gets out and looks like a slob, mm-hmm. I mean, what's your yeah. first impression? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sure. So your house... Um, your desk or your car, which one gets cleaned first? <laughs> What's a good question? Uh, well, uh, pro- probably the house. Okay. Because <laughs> so, I don't, because the wife does it. No. So the, my, my, my truck, okay. better than the desk. Okay. Desk is terrible. Okay. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> so you go to a restaurant. What's the most common thing you order? Well, wings. Wings? Yeah. Oh. We have a local uh Bar. We have some nice little places there in, in our hometown to eat, and there's a, a there's yeah wings and some fries on okay. on Saturday evenings. Usually my my habit. Your go to. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They're fun. Yeah. They're good. They're fun. Yeah. Yeah. What hobbies do you have, Greg? What do you like to do on on your own time? Love to. Uh, I used to do a lot of shooting sports. I don't do that as much anymore. Skeet, trap, sporting oh. clays. But I love to hunt. I love to fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love to deer hunt, bow hunt. Uh, anything too. yeah oh yeah uh, don't have I, I, I wish I had a little more time sometimes <laughs> to do but that's okay but I love anything outdoors uh, love it mm-hmm. activities of some kind yeah your, your sons hunt too or both of them do my oldest one's really hardcore youngest okay. Stephen goes uh, hunts some gun season with deer and a little bit just enough to where he gets the, the flavor of it but uh, mm-hmm. yeah I, I'm an outdoors guy yeah. love it yeah Tell us a little about the Seed Seller Academy that you've been a member of since we started. Uh, what do you like about it? How could we improve it? What, where does that fit into your life? A, while, a little while ago, you had asked me, what do you do to maintain uh, a positive nature, positive culture? Mm-hmm. That's probably, and I, and I had forgotten about that, that's probably one of the main things 
it's it's good. So so every month we get new material, like three or four times a month. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Yeah. But the, that message is always a positive message, and that is that has been really huge for me because we don't get that. Well, we do sometimes, but as a general rule in the ag industry, we don't get that type of positive message constantly coming at us every month. And to mm-hmm. me, that is a big help. Mm-hmm. It helps mm-hmm. me keep in tune in the live office hours is always yeah. is always good because yeah. we hear different questions and scenarios going on yeah. and we get to that. That really keeps if, if, if you stick with it, it keeps it really helps you stay in yeah. tune. Yeah. Yeah, because you get you get exposed to a lot of outside influences in their society and among you know among not just farmers but everyone every day news all that kind of stuff it's not always easy to to keep no and it can be it's a tough it's a tough world out there right now things are tough on the ag economy so that 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 message every month uh is is fantastic the podcast Mm -hmm. i love podcasts because i can kind of i can download those and do them on my own time or listen to it when i'm driving podcasts are awesome awesome yeah very cool yeah well, Greg, it's a real pleasure to work with you. It's been a pleasure to know you over the years and watch your business grow. You've just done an amazing job with your business. You're, you're, you have some very, very lucky customers. They're lucky to have you, not only because you're a really good farmer, but because you uh, take the business, their business very seriously. That's what they need, someone to take their business seriously like you do. And that, so I commend you for that. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. So is there anything else you'd like to say about Anybody who's in the business, going to get into the business, uh, anybody who's out there frustrated with the business, any message you'd like to, to send out to, to people who are, who are selling seed? I still believe there's a world of opportunity out there. If, if, if a guy, if, 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 if a salesman or a seedsman goes at it in the right way, mm-hmm. I, there, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a huge market out there to go get. Mm-hmm. I think, think sometimes we all, all got to remember that. that mm-hmm. uh, and, and, but the, this type of, the type of approach that, that we've been working on through the years of camp, through mm-hmm. Seed Seller, through Blueprint, the podcast, if, if, if somebody new or somebody young, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, that's, that is the way, that is the type of training that we need mm-hmm. to engage in this marketplace. Because mm-hmm. the market's there. Yeah, it is there, isn't it? Yeah. It's not going away. No, it's, it's never going to go away. Those acres will be always be uh, yeah. Just got to figure out, you know, a way to attack it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think in this last Blueprint, you had a, being able to read the handwriting on the wall was a term that you yep. used that mm-hmm. I haven't forgotten about. That's something I need to do a little better job on also. Mm-hmm. But that, that type of training helps us mm-hmm. read the handwriting on the wall. Yeah. Well, it's pretty obvious, Greg, that the, ha- the gap between those who are getting it done and those who aren't is getting bigger. And it looks like you're going to have the world at your feet here pretty soon with, <laughs> with all the markets you want to go after. So I appreciate your time for coming on, on the podcast with us. And uh, you're a great talent. Keep it up. Thanks, Rod. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh Have a great day. All right. Thanks. Thanks.